Wow, what, what a year this has been. And, and I know we, we've said this before, we've talked about this before, and it's fresh on everyone's minds because it's still very much a part of our day-to-day reality. But COVID-19 has radically changed everything that we knew about the world in which we are living in today. If someone had told me at the beginning of the year, if someone had told you at the beginning of the year what we would have been facing, perhaps we would have looked at them in disbelief and said that will never happen. That could never, ever happen. And yet here we are. We are several months into the global pandemic COVID-19, and we are still trying to navigate our way through this new reality. You know something? I think we've all learned this. As we've journeyed this time together, we've learned something about ourselves. We've learned that gathering together is something that is needed in our lives. Something that we absolutely need in our day-to-day lives is to associate with other people. We are meant to be social. And so there's no surprise that this COVID-19 season has brought about a certain amount of fatigue. And it's possible that some COVID-19 fatigue has set in for many of us. You see, as people, we are wired to come together. We're wired to to be part of community. And community looks different today than it ever has before. There's something happening here. Um, Isaiah, would you mind turning this off? But we... We are meant to come together. But the COVID-19 situation has made this nearly impossible. Obviously, there's, there's no guidebook for what we're dealing with. There's no guidebook for COVID-19. There are no guidelines that explain how social distancing should be done. There's no guidebook that necessarily lays out how businesses and organizations are to run during a, during a period such as this, or what we can expect and when things will go back to normal. The truth is, much of what we are facing today is really quite unscripted. It's really quite unknowable, and there's a tremendous degree of uncertainty. And that, as it turns out, is creating a lot of anxiety, a lot of fear, and even in some cases, depression. I've heard people express during this period of time more than than previous times. I've heard people express things, and perhaps you can identify with this, or perhaps you've heard something similar, where people have expressed a certain kind of emptiness inside of them. As if perhaps many of us are grieving what we have lost. 
There's a certain amount of grief, I believe, that we are facing today. The ability to have backyard barbecues or, or birthday parties or times with, with large groups of people or friends or even just the way things once were as we got together as a church group. Things look so much different. Or even as simple as going out with friends for a meal or a cup of coffee with a friend. Others are struggling to piece together money to, to pay bills or they're worried about their health and safety or that of everyone in their home. Did you know that today, according to national research, Canadians are reporting more symptoms and signs of depression, anxiety, and fear than any historic norm. You know, it's easy to feel lonely. It's easy to feel lonely when so many people are staying close to home. It's easy to feel lonely when we're avoiding gatherings and many businesses today are struggling. The truth is today, social connection is essential. Social connection is essential to our well-being. And prolonged isolation can increase the risks of depression and anxiety and, and emptiness. And, and these are real feelings. These are, these are real things that, that people are facing. And I, and I say as a word of encouragement to those that are, that are dealing with these types of, of feelings to, to reach out. Please, reach out for help. Let someone know that you need some support. And more than that, reach out to a loving God. Perhaps you, you've never reached out to, a, to God before. But maybe right now, in this moment, you just say, Lord, I need you. I need you in my life. But so many people today, so many people today feeling this emptiness, feeling this, this anxiety, feeling this the pressures of this COVID-19 season, and they just feel like giving up. Has anyone been there? You identify with what I'm saying. You just say, Lord, or you say, this is just too much. I just can't do it anymore. And you just feel like giving up. But you know, sometimes it's okay to admit that you feel that way. But that doesn't mean that we just pull up our hands and give up. What does it mean? What does it mean it's time to start doing something about it? It's time to start doing something about it. And this is where I want to spend a little bit of time today. Because I believe it's time to start doing something about it. About the way we feel. And it's through the Word of God this morning that I would like to draw some wisdom and apply it into all of our lives today. I guess this began to stir in my heart a couple of weeks ago. And it really became apparent to me on Monday of this past week. You see, on Monday of this past week, I was asked if I would do a small wedding. It was a very small wedding, a very small gathering of people, under 10, in fact, including the photographer and myself. It was a very small group. It was a private 
wedding, and um, I, I wanted to wear a suit. And I went to my closet, and I have a few suits, and I picked out the suit that I would like to wear, and I went to put it on, and it didn't fit. And I realized at that moment what I already knew, that the, the COVID-15, the extra little bits of extra stuff that I've been carrying around is caught up with me, and it, it, it's needing to be dealt with. And so I decided on Tuesday that I was going to take weight long serious again, and I had a goal and have a goal to get back into my suit. And so I started this journey. And as I was on the treadmill on Tuesday, I began to think about life. I began to think about our spiritual lives. And Isaiah, maybe you want to come up and help me again. And sometimes we tend to get off track a little bit, and it's time to jump back on the treadmill of life. Is anyone with me? No, 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 don't go away yet. I don't know how to use this. And uh, I'm putting my life in your hands this morning. And uh, so what I want to do is I want to demonstrate this morning what this is like. And so sometimes it's a little bit difficult, isn't it? It's hard. Now, this isn't very hard right now. But it's hard. As the speed gets up, as the pressures of life get on us, it's sometimes hard to keep up. We want to give up. I can remember on Monday, or on Tuesday rather, when I got on the treadmill at the, at the gym for the first time in several months, I, I looked at the clock at the two-minute mark, and I thought it was the 20-minute mark. I just wanted to get on. And then it took forever to get from two to three, but at one point, it gets a little bit easier. And as you do, as you continue to show endurance, as you continue to, to trust God with your circumstances and live your life giving your whole to God, things begin to get better. It's time. It's time to start doing something about it. About our own about our situation. Let's look at the Bible to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 14 is where I'd like us to go this morning. Matthew chapter 14, verses 13 to 21. For those of you that are familiar with this portion of the Bible, you will know that this is where we see the feeding of the 5,000. And one of the things I like best about the feeding of the 5,000 is that this, this miracle, it captures something. It captures Jesus' concern for both the material and the spiritual needs of people. Let's check this out today and apply this to our lives. Here in Matthew chapter 13, beginning at verse 13, we see Jesus heals the sick. He encourages people when they are sad. And when they are hungry, He feeds them. And the key word in verse 14 that holds this all together, that I'd like to draw your attention to this morning, is this simple but 
powerful word, and this word is compassion. Jesus saw a cloud, and the Bible says that he had compassion on them. Of all the descriptions of how Jesus used us, this is one of my favorites. In the Gospels, we are told that Jesus had compassion, had compassion on people before he healed them. Compassion for sinners, compassion for the lost, compassion for the lonely, for the sad. And when he was traveling through the different places he visited, we are told that he had compassion, that Jesus had compassion on the people because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Friends, that's who our Savior is. That is what our God is like. Did you know the verb have compassion is always connected, is always evoked by a need that Jesus sees. Consider this. Consider this this morning about the character and nature of Jesus. I love this. Jesus is very observant. Jesus is observant. He looks at the crowd with a sensitive heart to their needs. And what Jesus sees is the helplessness of people. And that troubles him. That troubles him deeply. And so he feels compassion. He is moved to help people and to teach his disciples the great necessity of really seeing people and having compassion for them. Did you know that compassion is a feeling? Compassion is a feeling. And like any feeling, it is not something you can just decide to have. You see, it comes in, re- in reaction to something. I personally believe this morning our capacity to have compassion is shaped by how we look at others. It's a way in which we are able to identify with people. And it seems to me that this empathetic identification with others begins when we listen well to the other person. A few weeks ago, I, I had the opportunity to, after the, the children went to bed and we had a, a rare moment of a little bit of peace in the, in the home where there wasn't anything that uh, needed to be done right at the moment. We, we decided, Heather and I, uh, that we would watch a movie. And we watched this movie talking about the life of Mr. Rogers. Perhaps you're familiar with it. And something really struck me as I was watching this film. There was a room in the film that really captured my attention. And it was a simple line, and it was something that perhaps many would just ignore or or not even pick up on, but I certainly did. And it was a conversation, a conversation on the phone with a a person having a conversation with Mr. Rogers in this this movie. 
And, and this is the line that really got me. This is the line. Mr. Rogers said to the person he was talking to on the phone, he said this. He said, you are the most important person I'm talking to right now. And that really struck me. And as I look at the life of Jesus, as we look at what is happening in our text today, I see that that kind of attention that Jesus gives to us. When we are communicating with Jesus, when we are talking with Jesus, when, when, when Jesus looks at us with all of the other stuff going on, Jesus, it's, it's like Jesus says, you, David, you are the most important right now. If I'm listening to you. And this is what Jesus said and does in this moment we see here as we take apart and we look at the Scripture and apply it to our lives, we see this in action today. I mean, consider this this morning. To hear someone is one thing. To really listen. To really listen is to hear and also to appreciate where someone else stands, how someone else feels, how someone else Things. It's a means by which we take another person seriously and thus give them dignity. We can't have compassion. We can't have compassion unless we enter into a person's life by identifying with them. And this is what Jesus does. This is what Jesus does. That is also what we as Jesus' followers are called to do as well. Something else I'd like to draw your attention to this morning as we look at this portion of Scripture. As we look at this Bible story, our Bible story today starts in the middle of something else that's going on. What do I mean by that? Well, let's take a look at verse 13. Let's go and look at verse 13, right where we began. And it says this, when Jesus heard what had happened, when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew the boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the town. The question is, what has Jesus just heard? What he had heard was that Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, has been killed. That's what he heard. And so, it's no wonder that Jesus needed some time alone. It's no wonder that he needed some time alone to pray and to grieve. But Jesus is not the only one who learns this news. We are told that the crowds have also heard about John. And so the people are understandably frightened and are seeking after Jesus for both comfort and guidance. Thus, while Jesus is out on the boat on the sea, they followed him on foot to the shore. And so, when Jesus brings his boat to the shore, he sees this huge crowd of people. He sees this crowd of people that we see here in our text. And notice something. 
notice something. Jesus sees their grief. Jesus sees their fear. And Jesus sees their longing for hope and a word of encouragement. He sees their emptiness. He sees their need. And He has compassion on them. As we're looking at this story, can you not see some direct correlation to what we're dealing with today? You see, He knows. Jesus knows and identifies with what they are feeling. And He reaches out he reaches out and he heals their sick. He spends the day in conversations with them. And then night begins to fall. And this is when the disciples, this is when the disciples come to Jesus with a genuine concern that the people need to leave in order to avoid the problems of being stuck on the road in the dark, with no food. This is a remote place, the disciples say. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and get themselves some food. But Jesus takes a completely different approach here. You see, they do not need to go away, Jesus says. You give them something to eat. And in calling his disciples to get involved in this situation of finding food for this crowd, Jesus makes clear his expectation for us as followers of Jesus to tap into his compassion in order to make good things happen. And in doing so, Jesus is entrusting us to be part of the miracles of God. And that is pretty amazing to say the least. What am I saying here this morning? I'm saying that yes, we are in the midst of a global pandemic. Yes, we are in the midst of challenging times. Yes, we are not necessarily as comfortable as we once were. There's change everywhere. But there's a lot of people. There's a lot of people in need. There's people all around us in need. And perhaps we need to change our posture and we need to be in the likeness of Christ. And instead of just getting upset and getting angry and, and trying to resist what's happening, instead, let's show compassion on those around us. And let's be part of the miracle. Let's be part of the miracle that God wants to do in our world because I believe with every fiber of my being that God is still in charge, that God is still on the throne, and God wants to do something amazing in these days. And He wants to use us. And so today, the call is today to get back on the treadmill of life. Where you spend your time is where your priorities are. What consumes your time? You say, oh, I'm too busy. I'm too busy to read the Bible. I'm too busy to pray. No, you're not. It's just not where your priorities 
You see, it's time to get back on the treadmill. In some ways, this COVID-19 period of time has, has caused us to look at what really matters in life. You know, one of the awesome things about this story we see in Matthew chapter 14 is that it captures the way Jesus challenges us to address the problem and not ignore it. Let me read that again. It captures, this story, it captures the way Jesus challenges us to address a problem and not ignore it. Now, the disciples were not shocked by what Jesus was suggesting. I mean, the disciples were shocked. I've got to get that right. The disciples were shocked because they had no food. They only had a little tiny bit of food for, for a small group, not 5,000. The disciples were like, Jesus, we don't have enough. We can't do this. It's out of the question. All we have is five loaves of bread and two fish. That's all we have. But Jesus wants us to think. Jesus wants you and I to think not in terms of what we don't have, but rather in terms of what God has given us. And this is important to remember, especially during this period in human history. What has God, what has God entrusted you and I with, even in such times as these? Yes, He has entrusted us with so much. We still have a church. In fact, I believe that the church of Jesus Christ has never been stronger than right now at this moment in time. And if you are a believer and you profess Jesus Christ as Lord and you do not believe that, then I believe that you need a course correction and you need to get back on the treadmill because the church of Jesus Christ is alive and well. There are means by which we can grow in our relationship with God and other people, even if we are socially distant. Even if we're socially distant, there's still ways that, that we can grow in our relationship with God. We just have to look at things a little bit differently. We have to truly look at things through the eyes of Christ. You know, it's when we are staring in God's work. It's when we are staring in God's work that life truly becomes meaningful. And we can do this even as we keep physical distance. I believe that we will embrace the challenge, bring forward what we have, no matter how little, and give it to God then God will do the rest. And what God does with what we offer Him is always more sufficient to get the job done. You know, this portion of the Bible, these verses of the Bible, this is an important reminder to us that we should, as individual Christians, never be so wrapped up 
in our own problems and concerns that we withdraw from the world and refuse to be a part of the ministry of Jesus Christ, which is providing love, which is providing help and support when others are in need. Left alone. Left alone, we can easily think like the disciples and say, send them away. They are not our concern. They aren't our problem. But this is not an attitude. This is not an attitude our Lord will accept. Instead, He calls us. He calls us to be generous. He calls us to be generous and share. In fact, this story we see in the Bible as we examine it, is a clear call for us. Is a clear call for you and I, the church of Jesus Christ, to be a compassionate people who hears and listens to the cries of people and responds to their needs. And let me tell you, friends, if you need a reminder, the needs are great. The needs are great. People are literally hungering all around us. They are hungering for a deeper connection with God and each other. People are hungering for purpose and meaning. They are hungering for a hope. And many are hungering quite literally for their next meal. Our task is to share. Our task is to share what we have been given. Our talents, our money, our compassion, our love, our time. We are to share what we have been given, trusting that it is enough. The problem is today, or one of the problems is, is that many people in the church of Jesus Christ today are not being good representation of the church because they're sharing all of this stuff online or with their friends or with their attitude that is at cross purposes with the Word of God. Friends, we are to be sharing hope. We are to be sharing the hope of God. And nothing else. Share love. Share hope. Point people to Jesus Christ. Anticipating God will take our limited resources and turn them around into something amazing for His purpose. The feeding of the 5,000 isn't some kind of spectacle. It isn't some kind of spectacle to enlarge Jesus' fame and popularity among the people. But rather, it is an an insistence by God that we, Jesus' followers, people of God, distinguish ourselves by our love, our compassion, our resourcefulness, our generosity, and our faith. Friends, this morning, we are called to have the compassion of Jesus Christ. Today, even though we are living in desperate and lonely times, we are called to learn 
We are called to learn and discover what it truly means to follow Jesus Christ. And what an opportunity we have today. And what grace. What incredible grace Christ offers. What more can we ask for today? I believe that this is a great time to be alone. Yes, it's challenging. I'm not going to take away from the challenges that, that many of us are facing, but if we have our gaze focused on Christ, and we have our priorities focused on Jesus Christ, and we have that, that heavenly focus, there is no greater time to be alive. Jesus Christ had suffered the loss of his cousin, John the Baptist. But instead of focusing on himself, instead of focusing on what he lost, Jesus looked outward towards the crowd. And that is where we find true freedom. When we think of the needs of others before ourselves. Friends, we are called to compassion. We are called to live lives of compassion. The crowds around us are starving for love, for hope, for meaning, for God. And Jesus says to you, Jesus says to me, don't just send them away. You give them something to eat. Give them hope. Point them to Jesus Christ. There has never been a more important time, I believe, in the history of humankind to point people to the hope of Jesus Christ. He is our hope. Perhaps today, you have not made a decision to follow Jesus Christ yet. I'd like to encourage you today to make the best decision of your life, and that is to say yes. Jesus. He has compassion for you. He knows exactly what you're facing. And so this morning, if you have not asked Jesus, if you have not invited Jesus Christ to be Lord of your life, I would encourage you this morning to join me in a simple prayer and just say, Lord Jesus, today, I know that I'm a sinner. Lord, thank you for dying for my sin. Lord, today I repent and I give my life to you. I give you control of my life. Help me to serve you from this moment forward. In Jesus' name.